Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the latest edition of the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host. Um, before we jump into this week's show, which is actually a Q&A that we recorded live on Facebook um, about a week ago, uh, I want to read you a review, another five-star review uh, from iTunes. This one's from Sugar Farhad, uh, and it's five stars. I just listened to an interview with Tracy Newbury and really enjoyed the episode. I previously listened to some snippets of the podcast and I'm impressed. Well done, Leanne Spencer, for creating an excellent show. Sugar Farhad, thanks so much for that review. It really means a lot to us. Um, we're grateful for you taking the time to listen to the show and and feedback for us. So thank you for that. Um, I will credit the rest of the team as well. It isn't just me behind this. So it's Claire and Antonia. So all credit to them as well. This week, uh, as I say, we've recorded a Facebook Live. So we've taken six questions on things like, what can I do in 10 minutes for the best effective cardio? Uh, How can I jazz up my workouts in the gym? I currently swim and walk. Is soya products or are soya products good for you? And other questions like that. So it's a relatively short uh, podcast episode, but I think it's going to be really useful for you, particularly if you're looking to, to optimise your health, fitness and well-being, and time is your precious commodity. So I will hand over to Antonio and I, recorded about a week ago. Enjoy the show. Okay, first question then is from Tracy. Is honey okay to eat? I've heard it turns straight to sugar in the body. Does eating good quality honey make any difference, or should it be avoided completely? And is agave syrup any better, or does it have the same effect? Okay, right, now I can answer. Um, so the, answer, uh, the way I, I see honey is there are different types of honey. So you've got the raw honey, which is good in moderation because it has a certain degree of um, anti, anti-bacterial properties. It can um, help with your immune system and so on. So raw honey is, is, is good in moderation. Um, what I would stay away from is probably the commercial um, honey that you see in the supermarkets for one ninety nine or whatever, um, because that is just actually I don't really know if it is honey. Um, um, they say it's honey, but God knows what it is. And um, so I would stay away from that um, completely because it is just basically like having um, refined sugar um, in your tea or over your porridge. Um, agave syrup, um, again, I would probably um, stay away from, from it. If, if I need to sweeten my porridge, I probably would go with the raw um, honey. And again, not, not too much of it, not like going with half, half, half the bottle across um, your, 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 uh, your porridge. Probably you know, a spoon or two spoons um, um, of raw honey. That would be my, my answer about mm. honey. Cool. And I agree about the point in moderation. Uh, it's a natural product, although it still contains roughly 40% fructose, which is a version of, of sugar. Um, nevertheless, it is a natural product. So I would say in moderation, if you're having small amounts of it uh, infrequently, then, then that's absolutely fine. Um, what can mitigate the blood sugar spike, though, that the fructose will cause are a couple of things. One is doing some fasted form of cardio exercise before you have uh, the honey, or indeed anything that's refined mm. carbohydrates or sugar based. <coughs> so if you do a fasted workout before perhaps a, uh, perhaps not an ideal breakfast or a breakfast where you want to have something as a treat, just a 15 minute um, fasted cardio can be really beneficial. It doesn't have to be high intensity either, so it could be a jog, but it could also be some gentle yoga stretching, a walk, just getting the body moving, and that has so many other benefits as well. Um, it can help reduce blood pressure, um, particularly stretching can help reduce blood pressure. It can help increase the parasympathetic dominance, which is more your rest, digest. So it's a really nice way to, to kick off the day 
or to preface a meal that is perhaps high in sugars, whether that's fructose or any other kind of sugar, mm. in fact. And the other thing is to, to do some postprandial exercise. So if you have consumed a meal that's got sugars in, or it's refined carbs, or it's a, a higher calorie meal, postprandial simply means after a meal. So maybe having a short period of digestion, maybe 20, 30 minutes, and then going out and doing something like a 30 minute walk, just mm. something gentle. That could be really beneficial as well, because what it's all about is maintaining stable or relatively stable and consistent yeah. blood sugar levels. So a meal, even honey or a, um, a meal that has a fine carbohydrate in, or take a jacket potato, for example, that's going to send your blood sugars very, very high and consequently dump you down lower than your baseline. So you'll get very erratic energy levels. So to mitigate that, postprandial exercise can also be really beneficial. So that's what I would say about that. And just to add to that as well, if you're having honey or any kind of product really, natural and organic is always best. Uh, there are lots of really good quality honeys around and there are lots of benefits and it tastes nice and it can sweeten things up. So the answer is in moderation really, but mitigate with postprandial exercise mm. and some fasted cardio first thing in the morning. And that way you can, t you can help manage your blood sugar levels. Anything you'd add to that? No. Okay. No, no, no. Thanks for that question, Tracy. You no, have got question. another one, which we'll, we'll ask. Uh, Becca asks, if you only have 10 minutes, what's the best cardio workout to do, not including running? Um, go for it. So Becca said Tabata, and, uh, which is a form of high-intensity interval training. And Can I explain what the Tabata is? So yeah, it is basically a protocol invented by a guy called Tabata. He's a Japanese guy. And the protocol works 20 seconds on, 10 seconds rest. But um, the way, I mean, I, I posted something earlier this week on, on HIT or high intensity interval training, including Tabata, because in my experience and what I see people do, other personal trainers in the park, when they say they're doing a high intensity interval training, it's usually not really following um, that protocol of high intensity interval training um, well or good enough, because in order to have actually the benefits from this really short, intense uh, workout, you really have to go hard. You have to go to 80 percent 90 percent of intensity and it feels very mm. very uncomfortable mm. to the point that some people may even feel sick or actually do vomit because that is the sort of level of intensity we are talking about in order to see the benefits of this really um, of this workout because at the end of the day if you do this sort of high intensity interval training yes you will benefit hugely from only doing 10 minutes of it or even just four minutes but you know obviously you have to include the the, the warm-up and then also to cool down. So don't go straight into high intensity interval training if that's your sort of thing. You have to warm up properly and then you have to also make sure you cool down. And the other thing is also, because you go out, so just to step back a little bit, um, in my early days as a personal trainer, I asked one of my clients, I can say that now because that particular client is no longer with us, um, I trained her um, and I introduced her to Tabata and I said, yeah, I would like you to, to do um, burpees in 20 seconds and you have 10 seconds rest. And she managed about four burpees. And I said, well, this is not how it's supposed to be working. You should be doing as many um, burpees as, as you can in 20 seconds. So we're talking about at least 15 to 20. So this is really, really kind of really intense. But the other side, uh, the other thing um, to remember when you do this sort of high intensity is form. Um, a lot of mm. people, because they get tired and they lose form, and then all of a sudden they injure themselves, they get lower butt problems, or they have polar muscles, or that sort of stuff. because. It's not for beginners as such. Um, it, it is a crazy thing at the moment. It's 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 um, it's uh, um, very fashionable to be doing hit. Everybody does hit, but most people do it not 
um, to the right levels of intensity or if they do it, um, they don't have the proper form. So I just want people to bear in mind that, you know, if they throw themselves into this type of exercise, that it just remember, okay, warm up, do I have do I have the stamp? Do I have the form to last um, twenty seconds? And um, am I pushing myself um, yeah. hard enough? And if you do all of these things, then yes, Tabata or any form at high intensity interval. It doesn't have to be necessarily 20, 20 seconds on and ten seconds off. It could be thirty seconds on and thirty seconds rest, or you know, thirty seconds on and one minute rest, depending on how how fit you feel. But um, so hit is definitely. You know, one one way of of doing exercise if you if you into you know if you want to if you only have ten minutes, but I would also say that instead of always focus, focusing on cardio, what about strength training? I mean, you don't need mm, to have. That's what I was going to mention. You know, you don't have to, you don't have yeah. to uh, um, always do cardio, um, and especially for us women, we we need to do strength training. And if you only have ten minutes, if you walk a lot anyway, and I know Becca, you do because you you you've said so. If you do a lot of walking, um, there's probably not so much the need of doing more cardio. I think I would probably f um, focus more on strength training, yeah. and you know you can do compound exercises in 10 minutes. So compound by meaning you know moving several mo uh, muscle groups in your body. So squat and use something to press up. You know like a water bottle squat, press up that sort of movement, and you don't need more than 10 minutes to do strength yeah. training anyway. So, so strength training was what I was going to suggest actually. I was going to echo that. So a Tabata, maybe squats. Uh, weighted squats as well, so you could clutch a kettlebell and you could do as many squats as you can in 20 seconds or 10 seconds break for a tabata four minutes. Burpees, great compound movement, actually getting the chest to the ground before you bring the knees back to the chest and jump up, so a proper commando style burpee. Star jumps, jumping squats, compound movements in tabata style is great bang for buck. And if as Antonia says, if you're doing that properly, it should be a three minute warm up, four minute tabata, three minute cool down, and you should be pretty spent from that if you're mm. going at that intensity. And I know Becky, you've got the form and the experience to do that. Um, the other thing I was gonna suggest, Antonia touched on it, is lifting heavy. So if you've just got 10 minutes, do a warm up, lift something very heavy for as many reps as you can. Um, and that, that might be kettlebells, so you're squatting, overhead press on the right, squatting, overhead press on the left. Just as many of those as you can do in maybe a three minute window, cool down and finish. And that's really important as well for oestrogen. So as women, we have a greater proportion of oestrogen than we do testosterone, although we do have testosterone and men do have oestrogen. Um, but when we get to menopause and postmenopause, that oestrogen levels really drop and that can affect our bone density. So to counter that, it's great, even at the age that, Becca, I know how old you are, and you know, I'm, in, I'm 43 next birthday, so I'm even menopause older. is not, you know, right, who knows if it's knocking on the door or not. However, it's great now to get into a good routine of increasing your bone density, of doing resistance-based and strength-based exercise, so that you, you're in that habit. And when you get to be postmenopausal, you're already in the routine of doing resistance-based exercise, because that strengthens the bones. Very important as you get into 50s and, and onwards. So that's what I suggest for a 10 minute window, but great question. I'm mm. sure it's gonna be useful for a lot of people. So thanks for that. Um, question number three is from Rebecca West, my old pal from school. Uh, she says, I swim or walk every day, but would like another activity that I can easily add into my gym workout in under 30 minutes. Um, I am a gym member itself, but I'm a bit intimidated by the weights and other equipment. So um, I'll grab this one first. I would suggest if you do a lot of walking and swimming, fantastic forms of exercise, but I would try and get your heart rate up doing something. And it might not be 30 minutes, it might be much shorter than that. And we've already talked about Tabata, we've talked about lifting heavy, but perhaps you can do something that if you're confident about your form, 
uh, that's very, very slow. So maybe you take a heavy weight and you just do a very, very slow squat and come up again yeah. very slowly and just do a handful of reps of that. So you're putting the body, the time under tension in the muscle group is, is quite high. So you're actually, you're not going down and up, but the time under tension is very slow. So there's a lot of resistance that the legs are having to do in that particular exercise. Equally, you could reverse that and go fast and explosive. Um, so you're lifting something pretty heavy, you're squat, squatting slowly and standing back up really quickly. Um, that's the kind of thing I'd suggest. So I would focus on getting your heart rate up and doing something like that. Um, a, a weightlifting would be really good for you as well for the reasons that we've just discussed mm. about estrogen and bone density. Um, but for me, heart rate, I think if you're walking, fantastic form of exercise um, and a really great way of getting energized and increasing overall mood as well. Swimming, ditto, but something that gets your heart rate up would be my, my suggestion. Mm. Um, and by all means, get in touch if you want a bit more detail in exactly how you can do that. But weightlifting would be my suggestion. Mm. doesn't have to be heavy. It could be lightweight, lightweight high reps. So a three kilo dumbbell and you're just repping as fast as you can on the bicep curls, repping out shoulder press. Or it could be heavy and shorter reps, um, kind of figure out what, what's best for you. Yeah, I would just add to that. Um, so if you're a bit intimidated by the gym, um, you don't have to go to the gym, actually. You can just do that at yeah. home as well with your own body weight. So, and I think, you know, if you can manage your own body weight, you're pretty, pretty strong. I mean, anyone who's done a yoga class, um, you, you know, will know that uh, maintaining your own or holding your own body, body weight is quite, it's, it is hard, it's challenging. And I think um, even just um, doing full full body press-ups, you have to kind of almost work your way up to it. You know, some people start, some clients, I start off at the wall because just to give them the proper form, because I've seen a lot of bad form um, with, with people out there who, who, who are doing press-ups, but you know, they're not really doing anything because either they're not going low enough or they're, they're using their back or, you know, there are loads of stuff going on. But if you start off first against the wall, it kind of teaches you the proper position and then you kind of move your way slowly onto the ground, first with your knees on the ground. And then when, as you get stronger, then um, just remove the knees off the ground and then you've got your full body weight um, press up. Mm. And um, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty efficient to, to get you stronger. So you, can't, you can avoid the gym, you can do it at home. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, and resistance training, I think, is, is, is hugely important. I mean, we have just, we just talked about it, but for us women, it's just, I can't, I can't stress enough, um, you know, how important this is, um, whether you're perimenopausal or not. But, you know, after the age of 34, uh, 35 even, I mean, it is pretty important for us to strengthen our, our bones. Um, and uh, yeah, you can just do it with simple body weight. You yeah. know, there's no need for heavy equipment. Just do it at home, but a few yep. press ups and, and, and that's it. Um, and yeah. what's key to success really with overall health and fitness is doing daily low level constant movement. So that's getting up and down from your desk every 30 minutes. It's walking where you can, it's stairs instead of escalator. Just a fairly constant level of, of movement, low level of movement then moderate intensity maybe five times a week that could be a really brisk walk it could be a run um, it could be a mid-level workout so three to five times a week ideally and then twice a week you go either very very heavy or you go very very fast so you do something that's really high intensity mm. whether that's running intervals it's lifting heavy for a short period of time it's doing a couple of tabata workouts um, so daily constant movement um, three to five times a week, moderate intensity, and twice a week you go high intensity, you go hard, you're absolutely blowing by the end of it. Mm. That's, that's ideal. Mm. Um, okay, anything to add to, to that? Thank you for that. Um, and if you want a bit more on that, um, yeah. Moon, I have to, I'm afraid I have to call you, if you want a bit more info <laughs> on that. Um, 
I don't think I've ever called her Rebecca, so it would be strange to start now. <laughs> uh, get in touch and I can give you more detail and exactly what all that looks Why like. Why is she called Moon? Or is that for That's not day? for now. Oh, it's not for now. Candice asks, <laughs> what do you recommend eating after a HIIT high-intensity interval training workout? I don't really like eating after a workout, but wonder if this is harmful to muscle recovery. Shall I go first? Yeah, go for it. Um, so I have a question there, actually. Is that because you feel... You, you don't feel like eating, you're full, uh, because I feel like that after, after. So today I had a boxing session and there was no way I could have eaten anything afterwards, which is always a good sign that you have been working out um, to a nice intensity that you, you know, it cuts your appetite and you know that for the next half an hour I can't, I can't eat anything. The danger of that though is, especially if you're into sort of weight management is then all of a sudden you get, the, I mean I get really absolutely starving hungry after, after that half an hour you know, after my workout. So, and then I have to absolutely manage what the amount I'm eating if I don't really want to go and put on weight because that is quite easily done. So that was would be my question around it. Is it because you really don't, um, because you are really, you know, not hungry after a workout, um, which is fine, you know, but you do need to, to eat something once, once you get, once you get start, once you start getting hungry. Um, and I would recommend, um, a little bit of um, a small amount of carbs so that could be I don't know if it depends on you know a little bit of I don't know quinoa, quinoa for example or some vegetables um, and a little bit of protein if, if depending on what time of day you work out you know it could be a little bit of chicken or for example um, so that's what I would get in after after workout and then also I would get something like um, um, fish or you know it could be chicken or it could be fish uh, mainly for the omega-3s because what exercise does it is um, um, inflammatory to your body now you don't really want to kill that inflammation off straight away because it also means that your body is adapting which is what you want mm. but at the same time you know depending on the other stress levels that are going on in your life you want to keep that inflammation down at some point and um, i think you know taking some fish oil in or krill oil or eating salmon um, after a workout would be would be quite beneficial. So the th three things I would or four things I would eat: a little bit of carbs, a little bit of protein, uh, vag for the antioxidants because that's also quite important, and then a bit of fish oil, mm. in some shape or form. Yeah, I mean I think I tend to go into a workout fasted uh, if it's just sixty minutes. If it's longer than ninety minutes, then you should probably eat something to prepare yourself. But that is subjective. Some people mm. really can't do that. You can't. Mm -mm. I prefer to go in fasted or maybe a banana a couple of hours before. Um, what I have after a workout is a mixture of carbohydrate and protein. So a classic is avocado, so that's fats, eggs on toast, good quality bread, uh, good quality organic eggs. That's quite a nice mix of fats, carbs and proteins. Um, carbs and protein is quite a nice mix for uh, post-exercise as well. Um, so that's providing you with a bit of the protein you need for muscle synthesis and some of the carbohydrate to potentially replenish your glycogen stores, but you may not have, have dipped into those in just a one hour workout or even a shorter HIIT workout. So I wouldn't worry too much about not eating immediately afterwards, but try and eat something maybe an hour or 90 minutes post that exercise session. And if you are looking to do fasted uh, cardio or fasted exercise, a ca caffeine's got, there's loads of studies that prove the mm. efficacy of caffeine for giving you that extra HIIT of energy and a little bit more concentration as well. So a coffee, I, I tend to have decaf coffee, but I'll sometimes have a caffeinated coffee before a workout um, to help give me a little bit more energy. But that's that's what I would suggest. I wouldn't worry too much if it's a short workout, um, but carbs and proteins are a pretty good mix uh, for, for replenishing and giving you that muscle synthesis. So thank you for that question. 
Um, you did have another one as well, a kind of part two to that, which I'll read out. So uh, that question was, how can I increase my water percentage? I drink loads, but it doesn't change what's on the scales. So that was interesting. Um, mm. uh, the water percentage typically for a human body is somewhere between 50 and 70%. So we are a lot of water. Um, I don't know what percentage you're getting up on the scales and what kind of scales you're using, but some of those um, bioelectrical impedance scales, if you're using one of those, aren't always super accurate. So it might not reflect the, the small changes in your water uh, fluid uh, retention. But foods that contain salt can increase um, water retention. So if you're eating a lot of processed foods, I suspect you're not. But if you are, they will, um, they will increase your water retention. So that can artificially skew things. And obviously, you don't want to be consuming a lot of salt for that reason. Um, carbohydrates have a hydrating property to them, which is where the name comes from. So carbohydrates will help you retain water. They will hydrate you. Um, and good quality carbohydrates are always excellent to eat anyway, things like, like vegetables being the obvious one. Um, I would suggest, without knowing what your body percentage is, that it's probably found its natural set point. So if you are, as I believe you to be, fairly healthy, fairly active, you have minimal disruptors, by which I mean chronic stress, smoking, alcohol, lack of sleep, uh, anything like that, then your body has probably found its natural set point. But ways to find out if you're dehydrated or not, which I guess is the thing you're interested in, would be the colour of your pee. If it's anything mm. more than a light yellow and it gets into sort of straw type colour, you're dehydrated. Your saliva and your spit, if it's very thready and cotton woolly, you're dehydrated. Um, if you have low energy, if you suffer from headaches, often that can be dehydration, although clearly not exclusively and that's not a medical diagnosis. So if you're concerned about dehydration, there are things to look out for. Otherwise, it's probable that your body is, is, is getting enough water. But let us know the percentage, if it's wildly away from 50 to 70%, and maybe we can, um, we can explore that a bit further. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I would just add, so, um, the level of water we need is, is, is fairly individual, but um, on average, you should be drinking 30 to 40 milliliters per kilogram of your body weight. So that gives you an indication of how much water you need generally. But obviously, if you are then a, a very active person, um, like we are, we have to drink a little bit more because we sweat a lot. So, you know, that's the sort of thing you don't have to, as Ian said, you have to watch for other signs. Um, you know, if you feel your pee's the wrong color or you have a really dry mouth, it's all signs of dehydration. But generally, 30 to 40 milliliters per kilogram um, tells you, you can calculate this and then you know roughly how much, how much water you need. But you also, um, you know, by just eating fresh food, um, vegetables, vegetables, for example, and fruits, you get a lot of water um, if you, um, in that way as well. So if you eat your eight portions and some of this is um, raw, um, you should get some, some water through that as well. Um, and then obviously, if you want to drink some herbal teas, um, if you're a bit you know, like me, I mean, I, there's almost only so much water I can drink. I find it boring after a while. So I, I switch over to some herbal teas to get, get a little bit of taste um, to make it a bit more interesting. Um, and that is what I would say, I mean, mm. yeah, uh, with regards to water. It's, it's important, basically, also, especially if you're an active person. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know if it's, if yeah. it's wildly away from 50 to 70% and we'll take yeah. it from there. Yeah. Thanks for that question. Last one is uh, Tracy, who asks whether soy milk and products are good or bad. Um, I'll, I'll start on this. I mean, I used to drink a lot of soy latte. So when I wanted to get away from, when I discovered I was lactose intolerant through my DNA test, I wanted to get away from consuming lactose, but cow-based um, products. So I picked up soy latte and I spoke to a nutritionist about this that was quite horrified. This is some years ago. 
as said, soya is a fermented product, or it should be a fermented product, it's a synthesised product mm. now, um, that actually has some quite harmful effects to both the environment, but also to our, our health. So I don't consume that anymore. And I would say, I don't like to categorise anything as good or bad. Um, there's a lot of middle ground that a product or, or something can fall into. But on balance, I would be very cautious about it. It's also used as a bulk, uh, as a bulking agent for other foods like sausages, lasagna, chicken nuggets. So it's in quite a lot of things that we consume, as well as in its milk alternative form. And the problem is it, it, with it is it's um, it's a phytoestrogen, so it interferes mm. with our uh, endocrine system, which is our hormonal system. So it can trick the body. In, in many different ways and it's actually not a good thing to consume it's a processed synthesized product that can mess around with our hormonal system so on balance i would say avoid soy um, i have a very very infrequently i'll have a soy latte um, literally once a fortnight once a month maybe um, it's a product that i try and avoid so i don't want to demonize it but um, it's it's quite a harmful thing for the body and there's a lot of science and a lot of studies that, that echo that um, and have proven that so that would be my opinion um, the other things to note about it a couple other things it's genetically modified mm. which should always be a concern when you're consuming anything and it's often sprayed with pesticides so if that's a concern for you I would steer clear of, of soya yeah I mean basically what you said all about what uh, because, what, basically what Leanne said is mainly because it was, it's a hormone disruptor so I would and it is 95% of the soya that is available around here is, is, is processed so it's probably best to avoid it however obviously there are studies around there as well where especially this um, there's a there's an area in Japan where people live about apparently about you know to, 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 to the hundreds and um, that is because they're eating a lot of soya but the soya, the type of soya they're eating is not the soya that we have um, is available to us here, unfortunately, um, because theirs is fermented as it should be and um, it's organic. So and um, so that's the reason why they live to be 100, because on that occasion, it's actually really good because it's fermented, it's good for your gut bacteria. Um, it has also loads of vitamins. Um, so if you want to go to Japan, um, to that particular area, which I've now forgotten wh where it is, you can probably eat the soy without any, any, any worries. In fact, it probably will be very, very yeah. good for you. If it's fermented, it, it is. It is yeah. fermented, but yes. Plus the soy that we tend to get, no. and you have in cafes and so on, isn't. But I've written it down. It's <coughs> called natto. So that particular type of, um, of soya that is really, really good for you. I don't know if you can get it here. In so natto, N-A-T-T-O. Yes. Maybe we can link to that in the comment um, section. So that is the one that gives you really good health benefits, but usually the stuff that we get in our supermarkets um, is 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 not really good yeah. Um, so yeah natto I'll, I'll link to it uh, okay. in the comment section yeah cool cool all right if you're still with us thank you very much for watching um, and if you're watching on, on catch up if you've got any questions actually let's just jump in and see um, have we had no any? we haven't got any any other any other okay. questions cool well, if anything comes up, drop us a, a note in the comment section and one of us will pick up on that. Yep. Um, if you jump onto the website, bodyshopperformance.com, and you'll see on the homepage a little barrier, the banner that says, take our test. That's a health IQ test. So we'll ask you 24 questions around your sleep, your mental health, your energy, your body composition, your digestion, and your fitness. And it will give you a little uh, email at the end to tell you which areas we think you should work on. Very, very quick and simple to do. Um, so jump on and do that. Uh, you'll notice that we've got microphones, so we're recording as well for our podcast, which is called Remove the Guesswork, and you can find that on iTunes or stream through our website under the resources section. Uh, this episode will go out next week if you want to catch up on audio. Um, and if you think this has worked, if it's been interesting, uh, let us know, and let us know yeah. if you want to see more of this format, and we will continue to do it. Yep. And that's it for now. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.